there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, James Kurz. So you joined Doctor.com in 2016, and you didn't join as the CFO. You joined as the Director of Finance. Now, that was four years before COVID. Did you have a background in health tech? What was it that attracted you to this particular tech startup? I was completely new to startups and completely new to venture capital and actually hadn't really worked a job that was based in the U.S. for quite a while when I started. So really quickly, my early career was in public accounting, the first uh, year or so out of college. And once I actually kind of got into public accounting, I learned a lot of good things and I worked with some great people. But I realized pretty quickly that that's not actually what I wanted to do with my career. I was focusing on tax accounting, wasn't that interested in it. And so I went to graduate school and All of my classmates went to work at hedge funds and Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo and places like that. And I got really interested in developing countries and emerging markets and had actually done my spring break in Haiti when I was in graduate school. I got to know about something called microfinance. Microfinance is essentially banking for low-income people, individual entrepreneurs in low-income countries, places like Haiti, where people really are sort of excluded by traditional banks, um, but need access to loans, need access to safe and affordable banking services. It's something that's really blown up over the last 20 years or so around the world and and been a really good force for good. So I got very involved in that in Haiti and I eventually went on, as you mentioned in the intro, to work for Mercy Corps and work on lots of really interesting socially responsible enterprises around the world. But I was on the road all the time. I was traveling like three or four weeks a month and I was, you know, just not really having much of a life back uh, in the U.S. and not really being able to build that, that foundation. So I said, look, I'm going to get off the road. I'm going to do something different. And it turns out that I've subsequently found the skills that I acquired doing all these different things around the world, constantly dropping into different countries, different cultures, different legal jurisdictions, and having to kind of create something out of nothing are really, really good skills for for startups and for venture capital-backed companies. And obviously, healthcare is something that I think a lot of people feel strongly about is really important. Certainly this year with COVID, we all have a, a newfound appreciation for people on the front lines and scientists who are doing research and all those kinds of things. So I was definitely interested in healthcare. I was interested in healthcare technology and how we can advance things. And I got to know doctor.com and, and that's the rest is kind of history. I, I fortunate, was fortunate enough to get the job. And you know, when I, as you said, I came in as a director, as the first finance hire of the company and built it out from there and, and really got to become a, a big part of the company story over the last four years. 
Yeah, absolutely. You were regularly and rapidly promoted from the director of finance in 2016 to the VP of finance and operations in 2017 to the chief financial officer in 2019. And then in July of 2020, you added another title to your CFO responsibilities and became the CFO and chief operating officer, the COO. Could you break down for us, James, what you do, what you did until a couple months ago as the CFO, and then what you did as the chief operating officer? What's the distinction between those two roles? Sure. So the CFO and the COO in any organization, if they are two distinct different people, typically need to be very, very closely aligned with each other because there really are so many different ways that the operations of a business influences the financial outcomes and the financial needs of the business and vice versa. And so in a smaller organization and some organizations, it actually can make sense to have both of those skills underneath one person. And in my case, that was that was how we did things. So in addition, to being responsible for the accounting department, which is really looking at where's the company been and making sure that all of that is tallied up in a way that is easily understood by all the stakeholders and comparable to other businesses and comparable to the past of the business itself. I also was focused on finance, which maybe is a little bit more strategic in terms of planning and budgeting for the future. Investor relations, making sure that the company had adequate capital to meet its objectives, thinking about different ways to bring capital into the business, thinking about our bank accounts and our treasury and making sure the right amount of money was in the right place. But all of those decisions around planning and budgeting and finance and how much capital needs to go into the business really is connected to the operations of the business itself. And that includes things like human resources. For many, many businesses, especially tech companies, the people of the business are by far the largest cost that the company has. Oftentimes, it can be 80 or 90% of the budget of the entire company can be the people that work for the company. And so when you think about making sure that you have the right resources in the right places, that that really is a discussion around people. So I was thinking about recruiting. I was thinking about making sure that people are in the right positions. I was thinking about making sure that we had the right budget for those people and, and figuring out what the career paths were for the individual people that worked for us and really thinking about how to advance the company forward in that way. Oftentimes, a CFO or a COO can also be very involved in things that, you know, are legal for the company, whether it's compliance issues, or it's just the day-to-day legal things that the company needs to be thinking about or or even troubleshooting because things do come up in the life of a company. So I had a big interaction with sort of deciding whether we needed to actually, I'm not a lawyer myself, but involve the lawyers or or maybe not. Maybe it was something that we could handle without involving lawyers. And then, of course, also thinking about how do all the different departments of the company actually function and work together to achieve the objectives of the organization. And that's really where the operations part comes in. You know, you get everybody around a table from the management team or the executive team, and you think about the big picture strategic things that you want to achieve that's broken down into sub-strategies, maybe at the department level, maybe at the team level. And then there's, of course, the tactics that get applied to actually push the organization forward and get things done and make things happen. And in the the role that I was in, it was very nice to be able to see the whole chessboard at once and think about how to move the pieces around and then work really closely with the rest of the people in the organization to get their feedback, get their views, have them be active participants and actually figure out 
out how to make things happen. And that's that's the the leadership dimension of a role, like being a CFO or a COO or having both of those roles together is really getting to work closely with people and basically work as a team to advance the organization forward. But in, in my role, I played oftentimes a lot of sort of coordinating of that and enabling of that and helping people achieve their, their highest potential. Sounds great. And I know that you were intimately involved, James, in the recent acquisition of Dr.com by Prescani. But before the acquisition, what did a typical day or even a typical week look like for you? I think we're both laughing because I'm sure there really wasn't. I'm sure it was a little (laughs) nuts. But could you kind of just paint the picture for us? Broad brush strokes. Yeah, sure. So definitely not many typical days and and a lot of fast organizations, fast moving organizations are like that. But one of the things that you actually have to have as a skill is there are certain things that you want to have done on a regular cadence. You want them to be highly repeatable and you want them to happen like clockwork. So the beginning of the week, think about, okay, let's take a look at the bank accounts and make sure that where we projected we were going to be to start the week is where we actually are and troubleshoot that and think about that. Every single month, you want to make sure that the books get closed, the accounting books get closed and they get closed on time and they're accurate. And then you have to report it out to people and you need to do that on a particular cadence. So some things happen regularly and actually the goal is to try to make them as automated and as regular as possible and and of course as high quality as possible. But other things are absolutely not planned and absolutely Absolutely. You go into the week not knowing what they're going to be. You know, so we typically started a week off with an executive meeting, basically getting everybody around a table and saying, hey, here's what I worked on last week. Here's what I'm working on this week. Here are the things that are top of mind for me and the things that I'm you know, most concerned about. And let's discuss them as a group as needed or otherwise figure out how we're going to tackle them this week. And so that's kind of where you, you start off your, your week. And it sets the agenda to some extent. So maybe you're filling your calendar with individual one-on-one meetings that you need to have with key people. Maybe it's realizing that, you know, we have an issue that's come up and we don't have the right law firm to to handle that particular issue. So let's go find the right law firm and bring them up to speed and and get them moving on that particular item. Maybe it's part of the uh, planning process for the year. And so you're gathering feedback from all the different department heads and figuring out what their needs are for the year to come. Let's say it's 2021 and figuring out how to square that with all the other objectives of the organization and the means of the organization. But a lot of times the, the actual things that you need to do in a given week are in real time because sales close in real time, successes and you know misses happen in real time. And particularly when you're an organization that's trying to do something new in a new market, the way that Dr.com was and, and the team continues to do as part of Press Ganey, it's very unpredictable. And a lot of times, you know, you, you go into the week or you go into the month with a plan and some of those things you have to follow through on them. But some of those things, you have to be adaptable. And that's actually a really important skill set to have is that, that intellectual flexibility and that emotional flexibility. Because if you if you really want things to just sort of be predictable and in a straight line and we have a plan and we're just going to follow the plan, you know, it, it just a lot of times in a small organization, that's just not how it works. And so you have to, to build up your, your tolerance for that change. No doubt. One of the, as I'm listening to you, James, talk about the functions of your job, your responsibilities and what a week could look like, I'd have to imagine time management and your ability to focus and be super efficient in what you do is critically important. How do you manage that? 
I couldn't agree more. And actually, uh, maybe a little bit counterintuitive, but one of the things that I found is really, really important is, of course, sometimes you have to sit down and you just have to work through your tasks and get down your list. But I also spend a little bit of time every day and, and definitely some time every week just reflecting and just sitting back and actually being quiet. Back when we used to go into the office, it, it hasn't been that way for a while now. You know, I would actually find a conference room that nobody was using and I would sit in the conference room and sometimes I wouldn't even actually necessarily sit there with my laptop open. I might even just basically take a break. I'm, I'm a big fan of European soccer, European football. So, you know, a lot of times the games are actually on during the day. If you're, you're in the United States, and I might watch the game for a little while or something like that, because creating that space actually allows you to reflect more clearly on what the priorities are and where you need to invest your time. And sometimes it even allows your brain to just realize something that you weren't thinking of, see things in a different way. It's very similar to how a lot of people do their best thinking in the shower, you know, the same kind of principle. And I find that if you're just constantly driving forward and you're constantly focused on the tasks, you don't have the space for your brain to, to step back and think about things from a, from a different vantage point. And so that's a really important part of the, the approach that I take to things. I love that, James. And in fact, someone I interviewed early on in the, the first handful of interviews I did on Time for Coffee is somebody who practices a particular type of meditation. And he mentioned the description that he used was radical headspace, creating radical headspace. And I realized that that is in fact what I had done after I left the organization where you and I first met, Mercy Corps, and wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. And I had so much time on my hands and my gray matter was not getting distracted. It wasn't getting filled with like the day to day of carrying out a job. I had a lot of free time to think. And it was through that that I came up with the idea for Time for Coffee. I don't think it would have happened had it not been for that because it's like you can sort of dream. I'm getting excited here. I'm knocking my, my bat. You can, <laughs> I'm just, I'm gesturing. You can dream. You, you can just kind of let your imagination go. And it really provides clarity. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I absolutely had the same experiences you've had with it. And interestingly enough, idleness can be one of the most productive things that you do, ironically. Fantastic. And I think it's so important to think about that in the context of a full-time job and creating headspace for yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.